Are you recording? Okay, now I'm recording. <laughs> you guys, hi. Hey. Oh, we have to record a new opening. Hello, and welcome to the Habit Podcast. I'm Christina Franklin. I'm Paige Berg. And I'm Zan Rule. <laughs> <laughs> you just like turned all the way up. <laughs> Yay. Hey. You guys, hi. <laughs> hi. Okay. We're so excited to have you here, Zan. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to like officially be a part of the team. Like beyond excited, too much, like turned up 97 to 100-ish. Ish. Anyway, so Zan, we're so excited to have you here because you're one of our new coaches. I am. <laughs> and people might recognize your voice from season one, episode nine of the Habit Podcast, where we chatted about the power of the mind, which you were perfectly, you know suitable to talk about um, based off of your studies. But anyway, you – first I want to kind of intro you before we talk about our topic because you caught our eye long before we even had you on the podcast. Do you remember sending me an email like – Yes. A year ago? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So for those of you who are listening, Zan sent me a cold email, like didn't know who she was, never spoke with her never saw her before, sent us an email, a cold email being like, yo, I love your vibe. Are you hiring? And I was like, what? So I like obviously pulled up your Instagram, like went to your website, like saw the the scene and was like, wait, this girl's dope. So I emailed you back and was like, not right now, but like I'm putting you in my little pocket because I'm obsessed with you. <laughs> and here we are. Yes. I remember stumbling upon your Instagram page. That's how I connected to you. And I loved your vibes as well. You literally had created everything that I had been wanting to create. And since you had already done it, I was like, why not reach out? So here we are today. I just felt like I had to. You know, you get that like gut feeling you need to like connect with someone. That's the feeling I got. I am so glad you did. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. And now you're here. So anyway, our, the first topic that we're talking about with you as a coach is so perfectly suitable to your expertise. And that topic is the scale, both scales. So the topic is not only food scale, but also body weight scales, both of which are being like completely, I think, demonized in today's like body positivity movement, like culture. So we're going to talk about it, right? We're going to kind of like unpack it, see what's going on. And then also talk about like why we use these tools in our program, right? Like are they actually as dangerous as everybody says they are is, is what we're going to talk about. Are you guys feeling this topic? Feeling it. Always. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad. Um, and in case you're new to the show, we're The Habit Team, now growing with my girl, Zan. Yeah. Um, the Habit is a nutrition coaching company made for women by women. Our program is built for you with coaches who put your goals, lifestyle, and personality first. And we're your coaches. What's up? So to learn more, you can head to the episode notes or go to thehabit.com, H-A-B-Y-T, by the way, um, to book a free consult call. You want to chat with one of us, me, Dan, Paige. We're here to we chat. You. Yeah. So let's do the food scale first because I want to like ease into it. I think that's the easier one to talk about. And I'm not like quite ready to talk about the body Easier like scale. mentally? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mentally, like I feel like by talking about the body weight scale, we're gonna like 
I already am like getting overheated thinking about it. So let's ease into it by talking about the food scale. Easy question. Why do we have our babes weigh their food? And I should also note that Zan, myself, and Paige have all weighed our food at one point or are currently weighing our food. So why do we have our clients weigh our food? It's just a general tool to help you understand what your portion sizes are. Whether that's a chicken breast, whether that is a cup of chicken broth, um, <laughs> a lot of chicken, <laughs> a lot of chicken, a lot of chicken. Um, whether that is ice cream, um, <clears throat> it's giving you general awareness of what a serving size is. Yeah, I I think that one thing that I always hear our clients say is like, especially when they first start, is like, okay. Can I just use like measure – like why do I have to weigh? Why do I need yep. an actual food scale? Can I just use like measuring cups or like the hand method or like the thumb method or like any of those things? So like it's it's crazy. It's obsessive to do that. Yep. And I, my response is always like, but that's not accurate. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> especially when you're trying to learn, to like learn those little things and especially with fats. And one of the examples I like to give is like a tablespoon of nut butter was one of the most – eye-opening experiences mm-hmm. of yes. my life. Same. <laughs> like 13 grams for like one tablespoon of nut butter. First of all, it barely fills. Like, I don't know. It's like my voodoo. It does not fill a tablespoon, like 13 grams, which is like what the, the recommended serving size is. It says one tablespoon or 13 grams. If you look at what 13 grams looks like, it's like, I would have guessed it was a teaspoon, not a tablespoon. And when you're talking like about, you know, nut butter, cooking oil, nuts, like anything that is especially a pure fat, that's the difference between a couple hundred calories. That's like two or 300 calories per bite, <laughs> you know, which when you're talking about weight loss, that's 1,400 to like 2,100 calories a week mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you're unaware of ingesting. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going before I started measuring my nut butters because it's like one of my favorite things to eat every single day. Mm -hmm. I was going through an entire jar in a week. That shouldn't be happening. (gasps) (laughs) And when you start measuring things, you become that much more aware of how much more you really are consuming. And especially things higher in calories and fat, such as nut butters. Those are really things that are important to be measuring. Yep. Yeah. That's a really good example. Yeah, fats are fats are tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially to like I know that one of the things we talked about in another episode is that it takes 35 a 3500 calorie deficit per week to lose a pound and when you're accidentally having a a bite or two more a day of nut butter and that is canceling out your deficit like that is going to be discouraging. Mm-hmm. So just play it safe and weigh your food. Yeah. I would say this, like the food scale tool was one of the biggest hindrances in me actually wanting to start macros. Really? Like, yeah. Um, Especially when I was researching it myself. I mean, pre-habit days, because I was like, God, like that just seems so intense. Like, I don't want to be one of those people that's like weighing their shit at a restaurant, which Mm. I've never done, by the way. (laughs) And I never will. I haven't either. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't either. I know there are people that like carry around little food scale uh, like miniature size food scales and their power to yeah, which is great. But like, if that's like, if you're like ready for a bikini competition, but I don't know, that's that's great dedication that I don't have. Um, so yeah, that was I would say one of the tools that was like, oh god, like I don't think I want to go down that path. But 
Yeah. I'm so glad I did. The amount of awareness that it brought for me in just things like we're talking about, like a nut butter or um, even things like corn. Like you don't really realize like a corn or like a sweet potato, like how many carbohydrates are actually packed in there. A sweet potato. Mm. They're just like so prime season right now too. That was a really good example. That was one of the other ones that I was like, oh, I easily eat a sweet potato. I'm like, ooh, this is like 350 grams of sweet potato. (laughs) This is like a lot of carbs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I could eat a quarter of this and eat those like 30 carbs and be fine. Yes. Yes. So another question that I think people are going to get is or uh, that people ask is like okay do I have to weigh everything like what about lettuce what what would you say Paige I would say no to things like lettuce spinach um spring mix spring mix (laughs) spices um I mean some of those spices can definitely come up there especially if they start to get more of like a liquid form like a um marinade or like a, Mm. a any sauce of any sort But yeah, I mean, for more of like those zero cal, like, you know, for sure, like celery, water-based items, mm, no, I would not weigh it. But that's just me. Dan, what would you do? I would have to agree with that. However, well, going back to what you said, Paige, I agree. At the very beginning, counting my macros, I was like, this sounds ridiculous. I have to plug in my food. Mm -hmm. I have to weigh everything. This is just so tedious. I don't want to be – I was thinking I was going to feel trapped But instead, it gives you that eye-opening experience. And what I tell a lot of my clients is that it's not forever. I Mm -hmm. do it now for new foods. If I'm trying something brand new that I've never eaten before or just not familiar with it, I always weigh it because it just gives me Mm. that um, guidance, but also allows me to then be like, okay, now I can eyeball things because I can see how much is on the scale. That's how much it weighs. And I learn as I go so I know I don't have to do it forever. And that's what I tell my clients. It's really not a forever thing. It's just really important when you're first learning how to nourish and fuel your body. Yeah. Yeah. I kind so in the beginning, I kind of disagree. I think you should weigh, I should think you should weigh everything. And here's why. A serving size of something like spinach is so much freaking more than you think it is. Like, or than I thought it was, like 80 grams. What, what's the serving size of spinach? Like 80 grams? Is that what it usually is? Honestly, I probably never meet the full serving size because I'm just like tossing it in my eggs. And right. I never eat a spinach-based salad because <laughs> you can't eat enough. I know. It's crazy. I know. I, I Sometimes I just buy the frozen spinach and put it in my omelets. I'm like, I can't play this game. <laughs> um, but like an, an example of like for Trader Joe's, right? You get that bag of pre-mix. A serving size is half of that bag. So if you're making four salads, you're not even getting a serving of those greens. And so I feel like what the scale does, especially when you first start, and I love that you said that to you, Zan, where it's like if it's something new and you're unfamiliar, mm-hmm. like it can't hurt to throw it on and just see mm-hmm. And maybe you never weigh your spinach again, but just to know like, oh, about half the bag is what I'm supposed to be eating for this vegetable is like, I think pretty cool and Mm eye-opening. Yep. And like, I also feel like we're talking about like, oh my God, the the first reaction being like, oh my God, when I weigh my food, I'm realizing how much less I should be eating. But for a lot of things, especially like vegetables, I feel like it's the opposite effect. It's like, oh my God, I should be stuffing my freaking gill, stuffing myself to the gills. Yeah. (laughs) With this stuff. And that's kind of refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I have a question for you, Christina, because we get this question so much and I feel like you have a good answer for it. Cooking spray. How do you log it? 
I use Quick Add. So here's the thing about cooking spray in my completely unresearched opinion. <laughs> cooking spray says that it is zero, zero, zero across the board for all macros. I say, and that's for like a quarter of a second of a spray is the serving size. I personally, like if I'm tracking strictly, I will just quick add like one or two grams of fat just to like play my cards, like just to be safe. I don't do that now, like at all. But if there, if you have a, I think it depends on how strict you want to be. But like it can't, you're logging your food already. It can't hurt to just like add a gram or two of fat is, is my thought on that. So I think we've definitely covered like you don't have to wait forever. So the last question that I want to talk about, especially because we've already talked about that both of you were so turned off by the idea of using a food scale is can it become obsessive using a food scale? And like, when does that happen? Like, what are the kind of the cues? I think Paige said one earlier with feeling the need to carry your food scale around in your purse when you go out to dinner. And the beauty of macros, which is why I fell in love with them so much, is that it is flexible to where, you know, you gather all this knowledge from weighing your foods. So when you go out to dinner, you should have that awareness and you can be able to eyeball those things. So I would say, you know, if you are getting anxiety or um, any like nervous to go out to eat because you're not going to have your food scale with you, I would say that's a definite indicator. If you're like afraid to eat out, Mm -hmm. you mean? Yeah. And I'd also take it in the home too. Like let's say you've been tracking for the better part of a year, year and a half, and you've been weighing everything you eat at home all the live long day for that duration, give yourself some freedom. Like maybe even take a half step and say like, here's what I think my portion is, put it in a bowl and then take it out and test yourself. Like start to wean yourself off of like that food scale. If you feel like, you know, you're ready to make the leap. And if you feel like you have portions somewhat down. Mm. I think that's a great test. I think I got a little obsessive with the food scale when I was like very, when I was on that like very, very intense program. And honestly, like it didn't feel crazy obsessive, but I would definitely do things like take a single, like I would take like a single oat out of my like dried oat bowl and yeah. be like, you know, like I was doing like that kind of shit, which like, yeah, I mean, I probably didn't need to do that, but I just also wanted to try and be as perfect as possible. So it, I, I think people know themselves and like if you're getting to a place where things are if all you can think about is, you know, using this scale and not being able to do something because you don't have your scale like that, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's probably going to be a red flag. I think it's harder to when you're tracking for a long time and then you take a break go on maintenance or you just go, you know, stop tracking and go more intuitive. And then you go back to tracking. And totally. Like, it's so freaking hard. It I'm is like hard. learning the hard way right now because that's my camp that I'm in. And I'll just be like making my breakfast or actually I know my breakfast to like to a tea. So I'll be making my lunch and I'll just be like whipping things up and I'll be like four ounces of chicken, blah, 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 edamame. And I'll like start eating it. and I'll be like, I didn't weigh any of this. (laughs) Totally (laughs) just like blanked. I probably would have been pretty close, but I'm trying to just be better about it. And it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard. 
And I also want to highlight before we change, you know, our topic onto the body weight scale is like if you're in the beginning of a program, weigh the shit out of everything. Like weigh everything, learn as much as you possibly can, like learn. Like it's a, it's not something you're going to learn. It's not something that you just like are going to know naturally. You're not going to know how to estimate your food. So like it was – I like what you said, Paige. Like if you've been tracking for a year, like yeah, be a little lenient with yourself. But mm-hmm. if you're within a couple months of, of starting to track, like tr- try and weigh everything you can get your hands on just so you can be aware. Absolutely. And I go through phases like that. I will stop weighing my food for a while and – indicators to me is if I feel like there's been a little change in my body composition or even a change in the weight on the scale negatively in my eyes, I'm like, okay, I need to go back to tracking because I'm clearly not doing this correctly. And my intuitive eating isn't on, on target. So that's when I'll revert back to tracking, kind of get into the swing of things again, whether it's a few weeks, a month, whatever it might be, and then try to trust myself again. So that's also the beauty of weighing your scale or your food. You could always go back to it. Yeah. It is. You can go back as a refresher. I'm, I'm, I'm refreshing myself right now, actually, and I'm like, oh god, I was a little far off. It's been a while. Yes. <laughs> Ugh, it's not so good. <laughs> it's not good. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to the body weight scale. Fuck the scale. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's- That's all I see on Instagram. Is like, fuck your diet. Yeah, it's just like I know. Okay, I like I'm on board with it, but like let's talk about it. (laughs) Right, right. Like oh, I threw out my scale, and I'm like so liberated, and that's amazing, and that's great, and I love that. But I also want to talk about like why we use it. So like, why do we use it? And and more specifically, why do we have most of our clients weigh in daily? It's again the awareness of it. So a lot of people don't realize how much your weight can fluctuate just on a day-to-day basis. And that's so, so Mm -hmm. normal. There are factors such as water consumption, what type of workouts you're doing, um, meal timing, sodium, salt content, whatever it might be, those all affect your weight. And so just to be aware that you're going to see that scale go up and down throughout the week should kind of, in our eyes, put you at ease that you're not doing anything wrong. It's just natural. Yeah, a hundred a hundred percent. I really like to say too, not to like interrupt you, but I was just gonna go off what was Zan what Zan was talking about. The scale is a piece of data. And I like to say that because it truly is just that. And it's one thing that doesn't tell you eight hundred other things that are happening. Mm. So if you just look at it as just that, a piece of data, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. becomes less personal. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a that's a really good segue into what because I I think a lot of our clients well our clients understand it after we like explain it to them over and over again. But for people who are afraid to weigh themselves every day, what why don't we tell people what we are looking at when we're looking at this daily weight? First of all, we're not looking at the day to day weight. We only are looking at averages. So we're looking at the average weight and like what your weight is doing over the course of a week or two weeks or a month and what that trend looks like. Not that like you went out to dinner and the next day you were like three pounds up from like your sodium intake. Like we don't care about that. And like I I don't quite frankly even look at the daily weight. Do you guys look at that? Not necessarily unless the client's calling it out. 
Right. You know, right. like if they're like, oh, this seems off or I feel really weird or anything right. like that. Yeah. I, yeah, like I don't even look at that. I just look at like kind of like the average averages of the weight and things that I'm also looking at are what the client is writing about that day, right? So like things that can affect your fluctuation or like water consumption, your workouts, like your meal timing. Did you eat later in the day? Most of your macros later in the day. Did you go out to dinner late at night? Did you like and eat a lot of salt? Did you drink alcohol? Did you like, are your hormones off? Are you, you know, on your menstrual cycle? Are you super freaking stressed out? Like, did you write in that you got in a huge fight with your husband? Like that is literally something that will affect your weight. So those are all things I'm looking at as well when we're looking at weight. Um, And to your point, Paige, like when we're looking at weight, the weight is – what we're looking at is the combination of your fat, muscles, water, like all of the things that make you up. And it's not just dictating like whether you're losing fat or not, which is typically the goal that our clients come in with. Yeah. Going off that, I would say I look at the weight in the middle of the week, maybe the first few weeks that uh, my clients are just getting started so that I can teach them what's going on. Because I want them to know Mm. why those fluctuations are happening, the reasons behind them so that they can also lower their anxiety if that scale is increasing um, some stress. So I definitely look at that more at the beginning. Yeah. What would you say, Zan? Because I think we get a lot of people asking this question. So I think this would be a helpful tip, especially if they're newer. Like what are expectations from a weight loss perspective when coming into the program? I mean, I think that's very dependent on what their overall goal is. But I've always been a proponent. The longer it takes you to get the weight off, the longer you're going to be able to maintain it and sustain it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's what I always – Ooh, I like that. um, You know, if you're losing 5, 10 pounds in the first couple of weeks, I mean, that's most likely because you're not eating enough and you're just going to put that right back on. So that's what I always say. longer it takes, the longer you'll be able to keep it off. So I would say – it's normal anywhere between half a pound to maybe two pounds a week. Again, depending on your body and how much weight you need to lose and your goals. Yeah. So I love that. That's so super helpful. And not that it's like, and not linear. Mm-hmm. Like maybe no. one week you lose half a pound, maybe one week you gain half a pound and the next week you lose two. Right. And that's okay. That's totally fine. At the If you look at the trajectory of those three weeks, you're trending down and that's a good thing. Right. For, you know, if that's your goal. Um, and so, you know, it's not going to be this like linear perfect thing. Mm-hmm. So another question for, you know, women who um, are weighing themselves, do they have to weigh forever? Not at all. To, I mean, to maintain their goal. weight. If our client, like say our clients get to where they want to be, do they have to weigh forever to stay, to stay there? I would take the same perspective as I take with the food scale. So, you know, if you've reached a point where you're comfortable with your weight, you've reached your goals, then maybe step away from it a little bit and see, you know, what it feels like not using the scale. And then, you know, if you feel, feel different in your clothes or you feel like you're changing, then maybe step back on and see where you're at. And if it's increased a little bit, then you know what to do to get right back on track you have all the necessary Mm -hmm. tools. So it definitely does not have to be a forever thing. Yeah. Like use the other data tools that you have instead of the scale. If it is something that you just want to, whatever, if it's throwing it away, if it's just 
you know, do stepping on once a month, once a week, whatever that means for you. Yeah. So what are some, this might sound like a really stupid question, but how do you tell your clients to use the scale? Because I have driven myself friggin' bananas <laughs> by popping on the scale. Because what I used to do when I was in college was to torture myself was I would like hop on at like the gym at like four o'clock in the afternoon after God knows what I was doing, eating, working out, drinking water, who cares? Um, and be like, oh my God, I'm like 10 pounds over what I want to be. And then I weigh myself the next morning and be like, oh, I lost five pounds. We're good. And then like, like, and I would do that like once every couple weeks and it would drive myself absolutely bananas. So what are like the most important things if you are going to use the scale? <laughs> what? <laughs> to not drive yourself crazy. Weigh yourself at the same time every morning in the same birthday suit <laughs> and use the same scale. After you pee. After you pee. Or poop. <laughs> and, and if you poop right away in the morning, I am so jealous. Who does that? I'm so You guys don't? You. Oh, right away. I have a time After frame. coffee? <gasps> I have a sp- Before like, or after coffee? After coffee. After. Okay. Yes. Like, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like. I need a little caffeine boost, but I have a very sure. specific window. My body is super routine. So. I love it. Mine's the same too. If I miss that window, it's, I have to wait till the next day. Same. Yep. That is, <laughs> that is my fear when I go on vacation. I'm like, if I miss my window, oh. I'm about to hop on this flight. I am constipated for days. It's over. It's <laughs> over. It's yep. over. Literally yep. me too. Okay. Yeah. So I, I do after I pee before I consume like water or anything like that yes. or coffee, for example. Oh my God. That's hysterical. <laughs> Even if Sherman's routine, or my dog, even if his routine is off and I have to like walk him like a little earlier than expected, and I'm, if I walk him, it's over. It's window I'm never getting that time back. It's closed. It's the window has been sunset. Yeah. It, you have to wait till tomorrow. And I'm just like an angry bitch for the rest of the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, violated my though. sacred toilet time. Yeah, that is. God. Hilarious. Okay. <laughs> Hilarious. So can you give a couple of client examples of like what you've seen your clients do that have greatly affected their weight in a day-to-day format? So I actually had a client that her work schedule was very different throughout the week. So Monday, Tuesdays, she would have to get up at 4 a.m. to go to work. And then Wednesday, Thursdays, it was normal. She got to sleep in, whatever it might be. And then Friday, 4 a.m. again. So she was weighing herself daily and it was driving her crazy. But I had to make her aware that the times that she's weighing herself weren't consistent. So that's actually something that I did do with a certain client. We didn't weigh every single day. We just weighed either she chose whether she wanted to weigh on the days that she woke up at 4 a.m. or the days that she slept in a little bit more. So that she could have two pieces, you know, of data to know like how much your body can be different on the scale depending on the time of the day as well. So I love that. Paige, what about you? What have you seen like affect your clients that people maybe wouldn't think about? I'm sure this is more known, but alcohol, either even if it's one or two drinks, you're typically lighter Mm. the next day. And then Mm -hmm. the day after, either a pound or two or three or four pounds heavier. 
depending it's like that second day sore but oh my god it so is that is so real (laughs) yes I would say that's probably the most common one and typically I have amazing clients they're always like back on track the next day and so they're confused they're like but I hit my macros perfectly like why am I not still trending down Mm. it's like girlfriend you just had four drinks on Saturday night like that's okay but like your body's like in full dehydration mode the next day. And then it's just trying to fluctuate the next couple of days after that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've seen clients who have taken double workouts, like who've done like doubles, be like a couple pounds heavier the next day. They're like, I worked out for four hours yesterday. How could I possibly have gained weight? And I'm like, do you know what's in your muscles right now? <laughs> the other one that's crazy is getting on an airplane. I was just going to bring that up. Yes. Were you? Yeah, because I've had a couple of clients who travel a lot for work. You get off an airplane, you are like a different version of yourself. Oh, yes. You are like a Michelin man version of yourself and you have to flush that shit out. Yes. I just got back from Hawaii, but we landed last night at like 11.30 p.m. I was exhausted. Mm. But this morning, you know, I was so excited to wake up in my own bed and get into my routine, but I actually didn't step on the scale because I knew it was going to be higher than what it typically will be. So yeah, waiting for maybe a day or two to get my body readjusted and then, you know, weigh myself. You don't want to overwhelm yourself with data that just doesn't really exist, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's inaccurate. So I love that you said that you did not hop on the scale because you're just like, I know it's going to be something that probably frustrates me and something that is not accurate. And even though you know it's not accurate, it's just not something you needed in your life. So that is a good transition into when does the scale become obsessive? And then you've had a lot of experience with working with women um, in an eating disorder clinic. And like, I think that the obviously the scale is a pretty major issue, major focus. So when is, when is it teetering on unhealthy um, to use a body weight scale? Um, I would say, you know, if you're weighing yourself, you need to really be in tune with your physiological responses. So if you're weighing yourself and um, your heart rate's increasing, you're getting anxiety, you're getting really stressed out, and it's literally affecting your overall well-being and then affects your behavioral um, actions throughout the rest of the day, such as, okay, I'm going to limit my food intake today because the scale went up. So you need to look at how you are reacting to that number. And then um, go from there. So we, back in my um, eating disorder clinic days, you know, we had clients, I mean, with severe um, diseases, but we almost had to do exposure therapy for them because at first it's okay to step back. And if you feel yourself getting obsessive um, to not do it every single day, but eventually you have to be able to be exposed to that so that you can learn those reactions and actions thereafter and what to do, um, what action to take or what action plan you can come up with that's healthier. I love that. That's obviously a very extreme case, but I feel like what I did love about that like explanation is the describing like how you can kind of spiral, like your day spirals in a different direction based off of the number, which I've I think a lot 
a lot of our clients have experienced before. I, I mean, I've per- I've experienced that before. Yeah, I feel like they just rely so heavily on that number for success. And even if they're losing five inches in their waist over the course of 10 weeks and feeling a crazy good energy, their jeans, they have to go buy new jeans. It's like that scale number is still way more important than anything else. And it's like, but wait, that's like, that's the last thing you should care about. Right. You just said how amazing you felt. (laughs) I would just like kind of put an add on to this too. Like if you if you are a little bit more on the leaner side and you have a really healthy BMI, the odds of your scale weight are of ch- of it changing are not very high. There's always a possibility, but I would always recommend to my clients that are more lean if they want to understand further body fat changes and and loss to get another another scan or a scale that dictates that a little bit further for you. So you can read progress a little bit more um, if that's a goal of yours. And going off of like measurements and body comp photos. Yeah. Yeah. I think that something that I've seen a lot, uh, quite a few times with our clients is like trying them coming in with a goal of let's say 130 pounds and then they get to 134 pounds. They feel amazing. They look amazing. They are at the place that they want to be, but the number isn't what their like what their initial like goal was. Like, oh well, I was one thirty in high school, so that's what I still want to be. Where it's like they're at, like they're saying, okay, I feel amazing, I look amazing, like I don't want anything to change. I just had to lose four more pounds because like one hundred thirty is like where I think I need to be. But like our bodies change, and so I think an unhealthy something to look out for is like is the number that my goal is, is that even a healthy place for me to be? Or am I just forcing myself to get there because that's what I was in high school and that's what I want to be? You know, like maybe you just are carrying more muscle at this point. And then what was that? I was going to say, I think why a lot of people get obsessed with the number is because it really is like the data point that you have to voice out. Like we don't say, oh, I'm, I'm a size 27 in my jeans, you know, on your license photo, you have to put your weight and things like that. And so it's more relevant. And I think that's why people get a little more attached to that number. But just everything that we talked about, you know, you what what I really like to teach my clients is to be in tune with their emotions and their reactions. And if they aren't, if they react a certain way, but then don't act a certain way after that, they need to reassess like what that scale is doing to them. That makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Like not celebrating. Well, not not celebrating, but I mean, like... I think that the emphasis being on like just going back to the fact that it's a point of data and that it doesn't require any more thought than say, you know, what your measurements are doing. Like it doesn't require any more focus than the other points of data. Like just because it went down doesn't mean you're like crushing life. And just because it went up doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It just is – it just is there. Yeah. It is what it is. Um, gonna, I can use myself as an example to further explain. So if I step on the scale and it's gone up a little bit, you innately have that emotional reaction like, oh, okay, that sucks, you know. But what I found with myself is I don't then restrict my diet for the rest of the day. I actually use it as motivation to keep myself in check to eat properly, to maybe weigh my food, um, bring out that food scale again, if I hadn't been tracking, it almost is a, it's a motivating factor to me. I'm like, okay, so maybe yesterday wasn't the best day. I'm today, I'm going to make it better. 
So that's kind of how I use the scale. And um, when those emotions arise, I don't um, let it affect the rest of my day, negatively at least. Yeah, cool. All right, closing thoughts. I would say the scale. Yeah, if you do truly have like an aversion to the scale for good reason, don't get on the scale. We as coaches don't need that data point. We can use other things to determine progress. Um, And especially if weight loss is not one of your goals, we don't need to even talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. 100%. I mean, yeah. If you are using a scale, obviously be aware of like unhealthy triggers. Is it actually derailing your day? Is that, is your day dictated based off of what that number says? And then I think just using the tools of scale being as objective as possible. Mm -hmm. And just to be aware of the so many factors out there that affect your weight and fluctuate your weight. Because, you know, if weighing yourself every day is really stressing you out, well, higher stress is going to lead to you either maintaining, plateauing, or even increasing that weight. So being aware of those Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And I also think it's important to set, like, to be realistic in what you're expecting the scale to do. Because you're... To come in and be like, okay, every single day I'm going to see weight loss because my goal is weight loss is unrealistic because of X, Y, Z factors. So just like almost like setting realistic, say one, setting realistic goals and two, setting like more like mini milestones to get to your goal as opposed to like, I want to lose 10 pounds. Why have I not lost 10 pounds yet? Okay, well, if you want to lose 10 pounds in 10 weeks and this week you, you know, nothing's really happened. But three weeks from now, you're down, you know, let's say four pounds. It like that's okay. That's still a downward trend in like the you know the direction you want to be going. Um, so just managing expectations with it. Do you guys know what time it is? Macro hack of the week. Yay! Van, do you have a macro hack? Have you ever done a macro hack? Did we do one with you on our episode? I didn't do one. I listened to you guys, so I kind of wanted to ask for a little guidance for my first one. Ooh. Guidance? <laughs> yeah. Put your macro hack hat on and get on the macro hack saddle. Okay. Well, I have one. Actually, I was going to ask you guys if this counts as a macro hack because this is totally what I did the other day. So I was on a flight to Hawaii, right? It's six hours and I knew that they would feed us. So first I already looked up what they provide. <laughs> on the plane, you know, but I learned if you have, um, dietary restrictions, you can actually reserve food ahead of time. And, oh yeah. So, because on the way there, I was like at the back of the plane. So by the time they got to me, they had no healthy food or snacks left and it drove me crazy. All they had was like chips or something. So on the way back, I totally reserved this whole, like it literally was a protein power pack. Yes, please. And it's specifically like, it was turkey slices, hummus, carrots, like all the goods. And I literally lied and said I had celiac disease and I was lactose intolerant. Girl, you do you. (laughs) Honestly, I think it's fucking genius. Wait, this is the best hack ever of all time. 100% at that. And you know what? I was, I didn't feel bad at all. (laughs) Do you do it when you book the flight or do you manage your reservation or do you do it when you check in? You do it when you check in. So when you check in, you can go on and reserve your food. And funny thing is one of the flight attendants is the one that told me that because she was like, 
I feel you. Like, I understand how frustrated you are. And I'll say, perfect. Thank so I'm doing it so all the way back. Thank you so much, Do you want to hang out next weekend? Like, yes. <laughs> Holy shit, that's yes. an amazing macro mm-hmm. hack. Now, I don't know about every airline. I flew Alaska just to let you guys okay. know. So I'm not sure. But yeah, you can do it on Alaska. Mind blown. <laughs> I've actually seen that on other airlines before, like on like international flights, yeah, but I didn't know it was either. available domest- domestically. Shit. Paige, what's yours? Mine is more of a life hack. It is just cleaning and getting rid of things in your fridge. It just makes me feel yeah. so much better. I think Coach Nat like yes. pounded this into my head for like the best reason ever um, mm. and to all of us. But she's like, every Sunday when I go grocery shopping, I take everything out. I clean everything off. I clean the bottles that are in there, the cartons, the shelves, the drawers. And Mm -hmm. it just makes me feel so much better to know exactly what's in my fridge and what I need to prepare. Typically, I have a good idea by then, but this goes for the pantry too. And getting rid of like the flour that is in your pantry from like six years ago. Yes. Like the almond flour that I used for one recipe that I might never use again. Get toss it. Twenty dollars for a small bag. (laughs) Literally, though, I have tapioca flour in my thing, and I threw it out this weekend. This weekend, I threw it out. I got rid of it. I was like, "You're, you do not bring me joy. Get out of my house." Okay, my macro hack is to everybody's on the Kodiak cake train, and Kodiak cake does amazing things. They do, you know, pancakes, muffins, the works. My hack is to make Kodiak. Okay. Grapes. Hear me out. Yo. All you have to do. So sans egg, don't put an egg in it because like not ideal for crepes. I use like this week I use like 2% milk because that's what I had. But typically I'll use like a vanilla almond milk. You just one and a half or double the liquid ratio to how much your how much powder you're supposed to use. And what's amazing about it, because I just like love crepes, can eat is more. you get so much <laughs> yes. yes. You get yes, so much more it. out of it and you can put so much more <sighs> filling into it. So you're having like eight oh my God. crepes or something. And you can go sweet and savory, which is what I do. So sometimes I'll do strawberries and whipped cream because whipped cream's like the ultimate macro hack. <laughs> that shit's got nothing in it. <laughs> With strawberries, because strawberries are the lowest carb source for ber- for like berries and fruit. Or I'll do like a sweet and like a savory one. And I'll do like scrambled eggs and ham and You're cheese, a goddamn cheese in it. And then you can have like three savory and three. Oh, this is all sweet. <laughs> I thought you were talking about different meals. What do you meals? mean it's all in the same meal? <laughs> Paige. I got it. I got it. Get on my level. <laughs> Paige. So you do sweet and you do savory. You do three and three. And then you have six crepes for your breakfast. I need an Instagram post of this like yesterday. Okay. Okay. I love it. I'll make them this. I'll make them this week or this weekend and I'll just I'll DM you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That was hilarious and also great. Next week, Zan is hosting. Just what? putting you right in the spotlight. Doing it. I got it. Zan, you're here now. Yep. You're here to play. Step up. Tell us what we're talking about. <laughs> Step up. So go, I know I talked a lot about my vacation, um, but I, so what I just experienced while on vacation, there were um, a couple of friends that we brought along with and 
know, they're kind of party people, which is totally fine. You know, you're on vacation, you do your thing. But when I'm on vacation, you know, I want to relax. I don't really want to be hungover. Um, I want to wake up, maybe find something um, active to do. And during my trip, I was judged a lot and um, I felt the need to hide it. It was very weird. It was a very weird experience. And I started getting really frustrated about having to hide my healthy habits. And that is something that I kind of want to focus on because I know that happens to a lot of people out there. So, yeah. Ooh, can't wait to hear more. What do you guys oh, think Haters going to hate about that six-pack. I know. You know, I mean, when I was overweight, that's the time I wanted to feel, yeah. you know, ashamed or having to hide yeah. things. Not when I'm healthy and I feel no good kidding. about myself. So, yeah, I kind of wanted to touch on that. That's good. I love it. That's a really good topic, especially for people coming in the program who are like, well, I don't want to feel isolated. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, put you first, girl. Exactly. Love. All right, you guys. Thanks for Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Until next week.